It'll just be us, like old times. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Tigers Tonight. And I should just say hello, everyone, because some of you are probably not watching this in the evening. John Maddox, Larry Marley, uh, Brian Moss should be along here shortly. As we have hit the bye week, a much, 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 much needed bye week for the Tigers. Of course, the Tigers will come in now with a record of four and four. They are uh, two and three in league play. And it's been a it's been a tough three-game losing uh losing streak for Memphis and uh, I'm joined now by the best co-co-host in all the land the one and only Larry Marley who is actually in the palatial Marley Manor I am and we are recording early because today is my mother's 77th birthday happy birthday mom and we are taking her out to dinner tonight and so I that, I appreciate uh, the guys uh letting us tape early tonight um and yeah we're on a three-game losing streak and you know, I, I posted something on Twitter the other day that the, the thing that concerned me after the Houston game was we'd gone on losing streaks the last three years. And it, it, it was a concern. And um, that's exactly what has happened, is that um, even though we had a double-digit lead, three-score three lead in um, East Carolina, we still lost. This last game, and I'm going to break this down for you, Got, despite the final score, this game was over at the half. And we'll, I'm sure we'll break that down for everybody, but I will break down for you why it was over and why whatever happened in the second half really didn't matter. Well, um, we're going to get into all the, the talk about the season so far here in just a few minutes, but um, let's talk a little bit about that two-lane game. And I understand where you're coming from, but I will also say that I was very impressed with the fight that they showed in the second half. Um, I know the game was out of reach, realistically, but, you know, I was really impressed that they came out and at least made an effort because I felt going into halftime that this was going to be 49 to 7, you know, 56 14. You know, the Tulane could have basically named their number um but you know memphis kind of hung in there and didn't let that happen and let's kind of look at some numbers here from this from the second half uh, let's see if i can pull i'm not sure i can pull those from here but you know um memphis did a really nice job let me see if i can pull up sorry you, you guys are getting real time actual uh how i have to do this here let's see stats um yeah, and Jeb brings up a good point, and, and this is probably somewhat true as well. Tulane showed kind of who they are in the second half because um, they didn't really do anything other than Tajay Spears running for 125 yards. You know, Michael Parrott was 20 of 29 for 159 yards and a touchdown. I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't wow you offensively. They had 344 yards. They were almost perfectly balanced. Um, rush to pass. Um, they were six of fourteen on third down. Memphis was four of fourteen on third, five of fourteen on third downs. Memphis was four out of four on fourth downs. Tulane one out of two. The two teams ran seventy. Memphis ran seventy four. Tulane ran seventy plays. 
but when you look at the two halves, Larry, it was it could not have been more different. And you know, I always say it, and it was very true in this game. You're not going to win the game in the first quarter, but you can sure as hell lose it in the first quarter, and that is exactly what happened to the Tigers. You're still muted there, Larry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that helps when you can actually hear what I'm saying. Uh, sorry about that. So you mentioned the the, the two fa- two phases of the game. You mentioned offense and defense, um, but you didn't mention special teams, which is really where we lost this game. No comment. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the the reality was the the kickoff return or was it a punt return? It was a punt return punt for return. a touchdown. The muff punt. Those turned into 21 points uh, or 14 points. And then, you know, once again, um, Brian, Brian had the date wrong um, <laughs> for everybody. Um, but, um, but, well, in his defense, we did talk about recording yesterday and then just didn't we do did, it in his defense. And, and, and this is mostly my fault. Um, and I do apologize. I'll, I'll, but uh, all kidding aside, so special teams did, in fact, um, have a huge effect on this game. Um, and, and, and that four, those 14 points, obviously people go, well, you get those four people. That's not how this works. Once they had the lead, once they have a 35 to nothing lead, a couple of things happened. And I texted you guys at the half and I told you that this would happen. I said, Memphis will come out and they'll play well in the second half. And I said that because there's no pressure. The pressure's off. Calipari when he was here, said something similar to this. He said, it's easy to play. It's easier. Let me say that back up. Because you're right, John. It could have gotten out of hand, and it didn't. But it's easier to play when you don't have any pressure. It's easy to play when you're you're, you're just sort of, okay, it's 35 nothing. We're just going to go out there and let it fly. And if it gets, you know, if they score more, then that's fine. But let's just see what we can do. Well, it's easy to make plays at that point because there's no pressure. You got to be able to make plays, A, when you're up and the other team is is t- trying to take the momentum back. And you got to be able to make plays when you are trying to come from behind and you're trying to take the momentum. That's when they start doing that, then I'll feel better about the situation. But he is a Willie Fritz, and you're exactly right, Jeb. That's exactly where I was going. Willie Fritz, this was a master's class and how you handle a big lead. He didn't do anything. The only thing I disagreed with. Oh, was the fourth down, down call was so. Yeah, the fourth stupid. down was awful. That's the, but that's really the only thing he did in the second half. That was everything else. He was like, you're going to, you're going to go all the length of the field. And we're going to kind of, they kind of shelled up defensively. Um, didn't really do a whole lot. So um, they didn't, they didn't try to blitz and get out of position. They just stayed in front of us and made us drive the ball down the field. Now, we did do that. We didn't make any mistakes. But, guys, uh, that, that was just a master's class, and gonna, we're going to run the, the time off the clock. Um, somebody texted me the other day and went, oh, well, they could have been within three. Yeah, with 14 seconds to go. But still, I mean, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and since Brian's not here, I'm going to play positive Paul for a minute. I, I, I get it. But still, you look at the second half, Memphis outscores them 28 to 3. They have the ball for nine more minutes. They outgain them 331 to 96. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
the difference in the game is literally those 14 points. And and I know what you're saying. Well, you don't know how that's – but what the – because the punt return and the muff punt happened within two drives mm-hmm. of one another. And when those things happen, it, it's just deflating. So they came out in the second half. They averaged six and a half yards of play. Tulane averaged 3.8. I, Tulane couldn't run the ball. Uh, they had they they piled up some yards right towards the end. They had 84 rushing yards in the second half. But, you know, this comes back to two special teams plays and Memphis's inability to run the football. And, you know, Memphis for the game had uh, just 103 yards on the ground. Tulane had 186. And, I mean, that's – Seth is your leading rusher, guys. Yeah, and, and that's a problem. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute when we get more into the – uh, meat of the game, but uh, Asa Martin was not available. He was injured. He he kind of fought. Coach Silverfield told us in the press conference uh, after the game that he fought through injuries uh, to get through the East Carolina game. That he was hurt. Sounds you, you know we don't ever get the facts of the matter, but it sounded to me like a concussion type situation where they held. He said we held him out for safety. So. That's probably, but that's a whole other story. If you let him play in the East Carolina game with a concussion and now all of a sudden it's safety, that's either here or there. I, you know, I'm the point I don't care anymore, frankly. Well, it could have happened in practice too. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing it. Well, he said he played hurt in the East Carolina game. He didn't go into any details. But, you know, I'm tired of hearing about injuries and, and frankly, not getting information about them in a timely manner. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, Seth Hennigan, 13 carries, 42 yards. <sighs> That, man, Larry, that just continues to pile up. And the other thing it does is it starts to pile up wear and tear on Seth's body. You know, I mean, 13 carries in this game. uh, And I think it was nine or ten the last East Carolina and eight or nine before that. Like, he's not – and he's not – he put on 20 pounds this offseason. And kind of an aside, he was joking. He said he put on five more. uh, He had – they went out to eat Friday night, and he said, I put on five more pounds Friday night um, in New Orleans. It can happen is, there. Yeah. It, it can happen in a heartbeat. Um, you know, and so he bulked up a little bit, and um, he said, you know, I, I knew I needed to be stronger, and here he is. The the man, the myth, the legend, the, the calendar misschedules here and uh, all the changes, and uh, Brian, how in the world are you, my friend? Uh, doing pretty good. You know how us Northeasterns are. We we just don't know anything. That's right. Got the gets a little cold up there, and the brain goes out. But anyway, <laughs> we're just talking about Seth, and and you know, he he looks bang he looks banged up. I mean, eight games in, ever you know, everybody is hurt. You just hope nobody is injured. And, and yeah. Larry, being a player, and Brian, you played, can tell you there is a a wide gulf between being hurt and injured. Everybody is hurt this time of year. Um, he's just walking a little slower, but man, just these carries and, and Jeff's right. He only took one good hit, but boy, that hit he took was, was a hit, but it's still, it, it just tends to pile up on you uh, as the season wears on it. And, you know, adding 20 pounds is great. And it's been great. You know, I will say, Brian, it's been great that he's been willing to run the ball this year because that was kind of one of the knocks on him last year. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely helped. 
Um, I, I think it keeps the defense honest when you have that, uh, you know, not necessarily a dual threat quarterback, but if a quarterback who can run, I mean, uh, defensive, um, you know, the linebackers, the defense, they have to be conscious of that. Oh, this guy could run. So uh, if it causes the defense to hesitate or think a little bit, then you have the advantage. So, but, uh, but Seth, yeah, he, he, I think it's because of the way the season has gone. I don't know if it's particularly an injury. I just think the stress of it all seems to get into him a, a, a little bit because like, I mean, I've wrote before we've talked about it. I mean, you're so close. What was it 14 points uh, that I calculated uh, being away from seven and one? I mean, yeah. I'm not in his, I'm not in his classes or anything like that on, on campus. So I mean, if he's, if, if there's anything, if there are anything like what we're seeing online, you know, oh, Sinfield needs to go bring back Fuente, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's a 17, 18, 19 year old kids. And uh, I mean, that, that will definitely affect you. Yeah. But uh, that's a, another argument for another time. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, you look at, at Seth's numbers. He has carried the ball. And now, this includes sacks. I mean, being fair. He has carried the ball 95 times this season. The next highest carries are Brandon Thomas at 67. Seth has gained 368 yards rushing. Now, he's lost 148. So, he is actually, in yards gained, he leads the team. Well, Larry... That's a problem. This ain't Navy. Right. And 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 look, the, the other problem is that if you're going to scheme our offense, and, and Brian, you've talked about this, um, one of the things about our offense is it's sort of predicated on um, the ball fakes and, and the little drag routes over the middle where the, the linebackers sort of have to be drawn up. And, and that's just not happening. And that's – one of the issues that we've seen. So if you if you watched, one of the reasons why we had so much success in the second half um, was because the linebackers were just basically falling back. And they were not. I mean, we were throwing the ball underneath. If you watch the, the touchdown to Skates. The linebackers were basically just dropped back. Skates caught the ball. Um, the linebacker had a misstep, and he just went – he split them right in the middle, and that was the touchdown. My point in all this is, John, that you can't – play the way we want to play offense if you can't run the football at least some and right now we are the same and you're going to get into this we're running it the same way we did last year which is bad you take seth out uh we had let's see 20 carries for what's that uh 63 yards if you take seth's yardage out um 61 yards, sorry. That's not a recipe for success. I'm just doing the math in my head. That's a little less than three yards a carry or right at three yards a carry. Um, Memphis ended up, they averaged 3.1 yards a carry. We, we, we would have single plays, multiple single plays in a game with more yardage before. Yeah, I, mean, I, didn't, I was going to pull that stat and I didn't. We are not explosive this year. There is nothing, you know, super explosive about Memphis. But um, – but I do want to say, kind of going to play positive Paul here for a second. Yes, we were missing Asa Martin, but I was really impressed with how well Sutton Smith handled that. You know, Sutton came in the game, averaged almost five yards a carry. Um, Brian, I mean, that you know, it was kind of a pushed into action. Uh, he returned a couple kicks. I was really impressed with how well he played. 
Yeah, he was. He's a dynamic uh, kid. Uh, even in high school, I mean, all the coaches were excited to uh, to see him. I mean, I've heard good things about him during the uh, fall camp. So, I mean, to, it shouldn't come to a surprise that uh, you know that he did well. But if he's doing if he's doing well, stick him out there. Uh, keep him out there. I mean, I, I'm I have the philosophy of uh, you know stick with the hot hand. He yeah. he, I mean. <laughs> Take away uh, Seth's numbers, and Smith had, you know, he's your leading rusher. I mean, I know it was only 28 yards, but still, feed him the ball. See what he can do. Uh, put him out in the open. Get, get some screen routes to him. I mean, the kid is dynamic, and that's, I mean, I think we all agree that that's what Memphis has been missing the past few years, that dynamic running back. And he could be that next dynamic running back. Let him go. Um, you know, see what he can do. I mean, if you, if you burn a red shirt, you burn a red shirt, but – I mean, what do you got to lose at this point? You know, and and you say, yes, yeah, Seth was the leading rusher, but if you take some of Seth's carries and give them to Smith, then, you know, how does that change? But just, it was just a remarkable tale of two halves. And, and you know, Memphis is yet to put 60 minutes together. Like, it's just not happened. But at least this time they started slow and finished fast. So, you know, now as you head into the bye week and, and, you know, I asked Coach Silverfield about it and he said, he said there's never a good time for a bye week. And I vehemently disagree with that. This team needs a bye absolutely more than just about anybody. And I asked Seth and he's said 100% I need a bye week. He said we need yeah. to rest. We need to reset. He, he said that several times. We need to rest our mind and reset. And I'll tell you the other thing they probably need to do, not that there's any infighting or anything. They probably need to be away from each other for a couple of days because as Larry and Brian, I forget which one was talking about it, you know, hearing all the noise, the social media noise, like idiots like us and talk radio folks that are, you know, got the pitchforks out, you know, that, that wears on you and, and we're all married. We know how this works. The wife is nagging at you a little bit and finally you snap and you don't mean to, but it's just one of those I things. mean to. <laughs> I don't, and my wife's not even listening, so I don't mean to. I'm sorry, sweetie, for something I may do in the future. Um, but no, I, you know, I think they just, this time away from one another, and Larry, you know, from your playing days, as much as they're brothers and as much as you love your teammates, my God, are you sick of each other by this point in the season? Well, and, 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 and Larry, no, real quick. Hey, Larry, real quick before you start, Larry, back in his place, you would get a break because there was no social media back then. So now yeah. kids nowadays, they really, they don't get a break. So, I mean, they're, they're hearing right. it, but they're also consistently reading it if, if so you're on your phone. You, you could actually just de, just sort of get away from that even during the season. You didn't have to – I mean, you would hear it on campus. Um, the year we went 3-8 and eight or whatever, we would hear that crap on campus. But we didn't really have a whole lot of um of junk that we had to put up with the way these kids do so you're right and and and, and john you hit the nail on the head you got that one guy who is is constantly like the rah-rah guy and i gotta tell you in in this I'm, i swear this i'm not talking about you brian i mean that we, we do make fun of you but there is literally that guy who is always like, come on, guys, let's get it out. Let's get it. I'll tell you what, after a three-game losing streak, you want to kill that guy. You really do. 
that's the, and I, I'm not going to say any names. I can see his face right now in my face. I can just remember him. You know, he was, we, we had gone on a long losing streak, I think five games in a row. And he, like, he he's like, rah, rah, rah. and finally somebody said, would you please shut the up? You know, and, and it's, it's look, it, there's, it, you're right, John, like these things, they build. And getting away from each other is a great thing. The other part to this to reset is to um, sort of clear your mind and get back to the basics because you, everybody's got like all these advice. It's sort of like your golf swing. You just can't get your golf swing, right? Sometimes you just need to get away from everybody and, and just go take a few practice swings and just go to the basics. And I think that's where the Tiger team is right now. They need to get back to the basics, especially – especially in special teams where they were good earlier, better earlier in the year. And now you've seen a, a decided drop off the last three or four weeks, um, starting with the, the return in, against the Houston team. The special teams has just not been very good. Um, and guys, I, I got to tell you, I, I agree with you, John, 100%. I cannot imagine a team that needs a bye week more than this Tigers team. Yeah, and, you know, back to special teams, um, it's, it is indicative of the last two years to me. Last year, it was field goal kicking. We couldn't, we couldn't kick field goals. We had to go for – I looked it up. Like, we went for uh, – we on fourth downs last year, we went like 85 times for it on fourth down, and we're, we're only – I think 40 or 50 this year because we couldn't kick the ball and we knew we couldn't. And, and it flat out cost us three games last year. So we go out and we get a field goal kicker and we get that fixed and not to give away the lead or anything, but you want to talk about my most valuable player for the year. It's probably Chris Howard. Um, but you fix. Okay. So you fix that. And now this is broken. And, and all right, so we're going to fix this. And then it's, it's like, like, I love when people tell me, um, I don't have a car note. I own the car. It's paid for. And the car is in the shop every two months. Like, no, you don't, you, you don't pay the bank for the car, but it ain't like the car is free. And it's kind of like that with Memphis football, the water pump goes out, you go out and you fix the water pump, the water, the, the gas tank gets a leak, the, the belt slips, a spark plug. Like it seems like every week. And Brian, you said it last week, little things, you know, not, you know, I knew when the punt returner caught the ball, I knew when Jaquan Johnson caught that football, he was gone because you could just, you could see it. Um, by the way, a weird vantage point at Yulman. I kind of liked it because you're kind of down low, but it was kind of weird. You couldn't, you couldn't see like the all 22, but you could really, this is going to sound strange. And unless you've been on the field with them, you don't know. You could see how big and fast and strong the players are from that vantage point. And the second he caught that ball, you saw the wall develop to the other side. And I told Frank Bonner, it makes me like, he's gone. Like, this is a house call. And then on the muffed punt, there was some talk. I went back and watched it. It could have been kick-catch interference. It was close. It should have been to me. Yeah, it was really close. But, you know, I will say this. They didn't call it the entire game, so they were consistent. And there were a couple times that we were pretty close too. Like, you know, and that's that's such a subjective, hard thing to call because you know you don't have a 
halo rule really anymore. It's just kind of subjective. Get away from it, kid. Yeah, poison, poison, poison. You know, and and but you know, to Eddie Lewis's credit, three catches, ninety-four yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, you know, after the muff punt. Well, and and look, the first half was just like whatever could go wrong did go wrong, right? I mean, you know, we had the tip drill. Kobe Drake fumbles the ball on a drive. Um, we had the trip drill interception. Like guys, like it was just it was it was literally like quicksand. Like you just you're in quicksand and you just can't get out. Um, but but let's let's say it for what it was. They came out and they punched us dead in the mouth, and we didn't respond. And then they hit us again and again and again. And uh, the Kobe Drake fumble. I ain't wait, hold on. I ain't gonna blame that kid. No, no, no. He, he got, got his that. world rocked. Wow, he got rocked. I, 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 I agreed. And where I was going with that was this was a focused two-lane team that came out to 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 prove a point in this game. They came out to beat our brains in. And and defensively, they were focused, laser focused. And offensively, you know, they played great in the first half. And 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 look. Um, you're up 35, nothing. They, they had a, they probably had a little bit of a letdown. Memphis was trying not to get embarrassed. And the second half was what it was. But I I, I will simply tell Tiger fans this, do not get, don't get tricked. Yes, we didn't, we didn't get embarrassed, but we still got our ass beat. And, 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 and don't let the second half, don't fall into that trap guys of, well, but we at least we didn't get. They could have been worse. You still got your ass beat. But we showed heart. Like we did. That's 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 been a problem a couple of times this year, where we just, you know, we just looked like you know. I always say it uh, before the Houston game. You look at that Houston sideline, and they look like they would rather be a thousand places other than Memphis. You didn't see that in this. You saw it in the first half a little bit after we got hit in the mouth, literally and figuratively. But in the second half, you didn't see any of that. You know, the kids came out focused. And, you know, again, Brian wasn't here early, so I had to play positive Paul and talk about, you know, how good the response is. You know, we did get punched in the mouth, and we did not we did not answer when we needed to answer. It was like we got – it was like in an MMA fight where you get rocked, and then you get rocked again, and you get rocked again, and all you're thinking is let's survive this round and get to the next round. And I think that was kind of Memphis's thing was like, let's just get to the half. And then we kind of got our legs underneath us a little bit um, and came out in the second half. And, you know, it's the question, Brian, where's, where, where's that team been all year? Yeah. I mean, it just offensively, I mean, you had uh, what four out of the first five drives were three and outs. You did not have a three and out in the entire second half. Uh, and it just again how they were playing defense, guys. How they were playing defense, but and, it, it's but that's fine. Memphis but was executing better. I mean, yes. agree, agree, agree. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it, well, but, but hold on, it's a combination. Is all I'm saying. But hold on, Larry. This is a team that just blew two, three score leads. So, you know, you could say the same thing about ECU and Houston. Well, they got they got their ass kicked. Well. They just came back, and you yep. said earlier that if we'd have scored that last touchdown, there only would have been 14 seconds left. Well, the way that game was going, 
And I want to talk about the most egregious special team play of the game that we haven't even talked about yet. But the way that thing's going, you probably recover the onside kick and you have a chance to at least tie the most egregious special teams play that is unforgivable to me was the onside kick where no one looked at the football. Memphis could have recovered that. Three guys were running right towards it, and nobody looked up for the football. Nobody. And that was that was inexcusable. That was just there, – there's no excuse for that. When you're running onside, there are a couple guys, their job is to go out and knock the crap out of one of the guys that might catch the ball, but there's always one or two guys that their only responsibility is to get the damn ball – and we didn't even try. And, and that, man, I slammed my pin down. That made me furious because there was no um, – I think it was Rock Taylor. I think it was Taylor and somebody else. Like the ball almost hit him. Like 15 – that was that was the uh, – Noah Grant could not have – Tanner Girls, I forget which one kicked it – could not have executed an onside kick any better. Like they got the one little hop and then the second big hop, and we just we didn't go after the ball, and I was really disappointed. So, Larry, I get your point, but but I think again, Brian's rubbing off on me here. When you look at the first half and you go punt, fumble, punt, 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 interception, and in the and also in the first half, Tulane goes touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, and their second half looks like. Punt downs, which is the one of the absolute dumbest calls I think I've ever seen. There was no reason to go for it on fourth down there, none whatsoever. Um, field goal punt. Like, you know, a lot of folks are going to want to put this on the defense, and and not to me. Special teams and no, crappy offense you could, you, first half. The folks that try to blame the, the defense uh, for the first half, I mean, the, the defense was – I mean, how much were they on the field in the first half? I mean, it seemed like they couldn't even get a break, especially when the Memphis offense was going three and outs, you know, nearly every single time. Um, but the, you just – I know I'm the, always the, the positive Paul. <laughs> I mean, you just – you look at that second half and, and – Season, I guess if there was a theme for this season, to me, the theme would be what if, <laughs> you know, you know, what if, you know, Hastings caught that interception, you know, against but, I mean, uh, we Houston. played the what if game last year too, Brian. And, and, and I, I wrote you know, about this there, there, the what ifs, the what ifs last year, uh, did, if, I, I don't know if you've read that article, uh, there was what, 34 points uh, away or 30 something points being away from 31. seven and one. Yeah, 31, thirty-one points being away from seven-one. This year is fourteen. But so the, let's, these. Let's get into that for a minute. I think we can kind of put a wrap on the Tulane game here. Uh, I do yeah. want to mention you mentioned not getting off the field in the first half. Uh, Tulane was five of nine on third down and had the ball for twenty-one. Memphis and Memphis had it twenty-one minutes and Memphis had it for nine. So there's there's why the defense gave up uh, two hundred and forty-eight yards right? Like you just can't stay on the field. So let's move on. And, and for those who don't know, Brian wrote a good article today in, in his positive. Thank positive Paul piece. His, I got, I'm going to have to create the name positive Paul as the author for some of these articles. I write. <laughs> and to your credit, you are absolutely right. Memphis is 14 points away from being seven and one, but yeah, I responded to that 
And what I think what is frustrating to most of us sane, rational folks, and I'm not talking about the all you got to what my buddy Andy Austin used to call the all you got to do crowd, which is all you got to do is fire the coach, you know, just fire the coach and everything will be fantastic. Bench the quarterback. Everything will be great. I think what frustrates people the most is that we are the exact same team that we were last year. And here is statistically how we are. Last year through eight games, Seth Hennigan was 172 out of 280. That's 61%. 2,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions. Through eight games, average 318 yards a game. Through eight games this year, Oh, and to be fair, I skipped the UCF game with him last year because he obviously didn't play. He was hurt. Um, This year, he's 179 out of 276, 65%, 22-36 yardage, 15-5, and 280 yards a game. It's the same same quarterback. The, The 2021 opponents, I did not go through and break down their records through eight games and all that. Last year, our schedule, 50 of 50. The eight teams we had played to that point, they were 50 and 50, 50% on the year. This year, the teams we've played are 31 and 30, 51%. So we, we, we're statistically the same. We've basically played the same teams. But here is why I think this year is quite a bit different and is pretty damning, in my opinion. Our home attendance last year, on average, was 33,258. If you pull out Mississippi State, it's 30,000, 29,856. It's 26,800 this year. And that and that may not sound like a big difference, but our first game was 32,000. We've had two crowds of 23 and a 28. And that, it, wasn't, it was a sellout Saturday. It wasn't full, but we'll say, for argument's sake, it was 30,000. That is likely the biggest crowd we will see the rest of the year. And that is where it's different. I think Memphis is teetering on apathy. And the other problem that a lot of Memphis fans have is you look at the same mistakes being made over and over again. Like on that last drive, why are we substituting when you're in a one and a half, when you're in a 90 second hot drill? Why are you substituting? Because that does two things. It runs the clock, and it gives Tulane a chance to substitute. It was silly. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have done it. Um, to be fair, I should have asked about that in the postgame presser, but I decided not to. Um, so you're making a lot of those mistakes. We had no – it seemed like we had no um, sense of urgency on that last drive. Um, just, just silly little things over and over again. And then the other part, Brian, that is most concerning – we're coming off what three consecutive best recruiting classes in school history, and we're the same team again. Two, uh, the, the the one you're currently in would be the you know the yeah. third best, but but they're not on the field yet. So back to back, so, two yeah. best back, back to back. But how how many of those uh, kids that are in the back to back? You know that that's one thing that I'll uh, an article that I will do. How many of those back-to-back uh, best recruiting classes ever are actually contributing yet? Because they're young. What, what, the guys you're oh, rolling out there got you to four and four. I, I, at this point, if, if you were in that the one two years ago, you're probably going to be contributing. Um, I, certainly by the by this point, you're contributing. Now, well, you'd be a you're a sophomore. 
it, well, you could be a rich, yeah, you could be a sophomore, you could be a redshirt freshman, freshman. either way, mm -hmm. but either way, you're contributing. I uh, now, what, what to what extent are you contributing? I mean, if you're if you could play, you're contributing. I, I, I don't know how else to say that. Um, I, I would ex fully expect you to see, especially on it, it, here's where I'm going with this, Brian. Where you usually start, and this happened happen to me, where you usually start contributing is on special teams. Yep. But that's not what Memphis does. Memphis for yeah, the Memphis play for They're doing it wrong. wrong. Yeah. Period. Because because what you do, where kids learn how to how to play and where they learn the intensity of the game is on special teams. You go out there and 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 and, and that's where you learn the speed of the game. You don't learn the speed of – you don't throw it normally unless he's like a, an, an all-timer. You don't throw a kid out on the field and go, hey, go cover, you know, Terrell Owenson over there, which, by the way, I actually saw somebody try to do. Um, but but you don't say that. You, you, you say, hey, I want you to go down on special teams. And that's where you learn the speed of the game and the speed of, of, of what, the, you know, what contact is really like the difference between high school and college. And then you, they work you in, you know, slowly into like playing in the actual game. And and my point in all this is our special teams, especially our our coverage, has regressed greatly over the well, last few years. Yeah, and, and I'll I'll give you an example of what you're talking about. That's all D'Angelo Williams did his freshman year was yep. return kicks. That's it. So I, I don't think he saw the field. Well, he did, he did, but it was, Those but it was limited because I can't remember who the running back we had before, but, 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 but yeah, I mean, he basically, he, he, he played in the two lane game, ironically enough, a lot, but he only had one 100 yard rushing game his freshman year. And that was, you know, I think the two lane game, but, but I'll, also, right, I'll also say what coach sales told me one time and he was talking about basketball, but one of the lessons he taught, he taught me two lessons. Number one, nothing good ever happens after midnight. And number two, there is uh, – I three disagree. <laughs> there are – Dante Brown, that's it. He was he was the guy in front of the end. Thank you. Yes, Dante yeah. Brown. Um, the good thing about freshmen is they're too stupid to be scared. Um, and number three, at this point in the season, there's no such thing as a freshman. So, Brian, I will be very curious to see, like, snaps played for these last – especially – not probably not fair to do last year, but the 2020 class. Um, I'd be very interested to see how much they've contributed. Just even if it's not yards or whatever. I mean, outside of Seth, obviously Seth got thrown to the wolves literally. Um, but but I, I'll be curious to see. Yep. There's only you know. there's one there's one starter on offense, Seth. One starter on defense, Greg Rubin, who are part of that class that are starting. I'll have to go through, you know, yeah. check, you know but, but my, my my whole point with that comes. Why is that? If if this was and it was, it was a super talented class. Why are those guys not able to see the field like that? And and whatever it is, are they not as good a player as they thought we were, or as we thought they were? Are they not as you know? Are they not being coached and not being? you know, developed, whatever that reasoning is, is where the concern of a lot of Memphis fans come in because, you know, you ballyhoo a recruiting class and well-deserved, by the way. You know, I never thought I'd see the day that Memphis would have recruiting classes in the 40s. Like, that, it still blows yeah. my mind. Because I remember days when there were FCS programs that had 
better recruit. We were in the one tens. Yeah, and there were several FCS schools. Um, there would have been many times in the early teens that the classes Jackson State is pulling in right now with Dion would have by far blown away anything Memphis had on the field. But but I'm you know you 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 trump those things up and and again deservedly so and and I'm not ambushing kids here. Look like we don't. No, know. I just I, yeah I think it, it all depends on the position the kids play because the offensive line are you going to throw a bunch of freshmen out on the offensive? No, line? why not? But no. why? But, <laughs> no, I mean, but okay, we're linebackers. I get, it. I, right. I get it, guys. But what you can't develop an offensive lineman on the practice field. No, 100%, John. You, you, you're right. You're right. And, and, and you can't develop it. Has right, right. Sunk to this point. But, but, and, and, and so to your point, and I know where you're going with this, um, to your point, if you've got a bunch of upperclassmen that suck, then why not give the Ballyhooed freshman or sophomore a shot? What? I mean, look, if at this, and I'm not saying we're there. And again, I'm not. I'm not saying that our offensive linemen suck, but they kind of have. Um, you know, if 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 the best bet for our offensive linemen is to fall down so the defense might trip over him on the way to the ball, then yes, put another kid out there and go. Okay, let's see what you can do, and especially at this point where we're not winning the conference. That's not happening. No, we can still win the conference mathematically. We're not winning the conference. <laughs> Even I won't go there. So <laughs> I did the math today. We actually still could. I mean, it's not happening, but we still could. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but my point in all this is you're you're right. Why not give it a shot? Now, I have no problems with that. If a kid is physically capable, yeah, that is the it is not is going to just get boat raced because there is a, a mental side to this. But but on the other side of that, you're right, John. You can't develop chemistry along the offensive line. And and, and I remember Fuente when we were getting our ass beat all those years. He was putting those kids on red shirts, and we're all like, "Oh God!" He's like, "Nope, can't win with them." But but when they came off that red shirt year. He gave them that redshirt year to get bigger and stronger. He put them out there. And, and yes, we had a few problems at first, but by, by, the, by the next year, and we're in year three of, 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 the, um, of, of the Silverfield experience here, um, which would be a great band name, by the way. Um, we're in year three of the Silverfield experience. He should have had, I know 2020, you can say what you want about it, but it was still a year. We need to start seeing some of some results from these recruiting. We just do. And, 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 and it needs to start the end of this year. We need to start seeing some development here, guys, because what we're seeing right now is the same team in 2020 is the same team in 2021 is the same team in 2022. Six and six, seven and five, something like that. And I haven't seen any progression. And any, I defy anybody to show me I'm wrong. I can show you stats where you're wrong, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, but but you know, Brian, that that is that is a point because you look at if you just look at the raw numbers, if you just throw the numbers out there and look at the raw yeah. numbers, 
we're we're statistically a little better. But then when you start digging behind the numbers and you see that instead of averaging 6.1 yards per play, you're averaging 5.8 yards per play. And then you would look at me and say, John, what does 2.3 yards matter? Well, that's the difference in being third and three and third and six. And Memphis is just right now, they they have, when we had Mike and Justin and it was rolling, we had margin for error. Like, if you went out and Daryl Henderson didn't play great, that's okay. Calvin Austin or Anthony Miller is going to pick up that slack. The problem is right now we have such a thin razor edge that it really shows up. You know, football, I, I think it was Nick Saban a couple weeks ago, and it's been said a thousand times. Football is one of the few sports where 10 guys doing their job can be completely derailed by one guy not doing his. And and we've seen that a couple times this year on the offensive line. We've seen it from the running back position. We've seen it from the quarterback position. We've seen it from uh, the the pass rush. We've seen it from the secondary. Like, we've seen it where everybody is, is doing their thing except one dude. And that's when a big play happens. Like, on that big, long punt return, all it takes is one guy getting blocked down inside. And it's over. It's night-night because he's the guy that that has to secure the edge and push the push the punt returner back inside. You never want to see a punt returner get outside the numbers. That is almost always bad news. And there's always one or two guys whose job it is to run wide and stay outside the numbers to force him back to where everybody else is. And, and you go back, you watch that, the muff punt, you know, Eddie Lewis said the sun got in my eyes. Well, then get the hell away from the ball. I'm, I'm uh, going to throw something out at you guys, and you guys just tell me that this is something that I've heard other people say, and I don't know that I can deny it. What somebody told me, we were I was texting back and forth. This was not somebody associated with the organization. This was a, a coach um, who coaches high school. He said what he sees at Memphis is somebody – who has recruited well enough to overcome the fact that they can't coach. I don't agree with that. I mean, I, 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 look, I, I, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know that I, I don't think I agree with that either, but I just wanted you guys to hear that, that somebody texted that to me. I, and, I, and I think there's people that do think that. Yeah. And I, I think Ryan, it's no secret. Ryan does struggle in some game management situations. Um, that that's one of the things about having Brian, about never having been a head coach before. Right. You know, you've never had to run a two minute drill until literally you are what? Eight and three, four, 12, 20, 30 games roughly into your tenure, give or take a couple games. I, I think having that elder statesman in the room helps, like, you know, Daryl Dickey with Mike Norfell. I know um, Silverfield had uh, McIntyre, but McIntyre wasn't an offensive guy, he was a defensive guy. So and they didn't you know, really I, talk. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and if you go back now, today, and you ask Justin Fuente who the most important person was for his run at Memphis, it was Daryl Dickey. Yep. Yeah. And because the thing about, you know, and, and this is where, you know, we'll go back to Porter, where I kind of got sideways with in my mind with him a little bit, is he had Mike DeBose on the staff and he wouldn't listen to him. Now, there was a bunch of other stuff that people said DeBose was trying to take his job and all that and whatever. What was the knock on Josh? 
he never had a old dude sitting on the bench. Like how much better. And, you know, for the record, and this again is another podcast for another time because I was 100% opposed to Larry Brown being hired as coach at the university of Memphis, but how much has he helped Penny? Because guess what? There is nothing that Larry Brown has not seen. Nothing. Absolutely zero that he has not seen. Even, even though his best, you know, he's 40 years removed from this generation or whatever, like there's nothing because once you get between the lines, it's football, right? It's getting the ball it, it across is. the goal line and scoring. But, and that's but it's it. All it's, all about, about it's all about prep, guys. And and it's all about, you know, have attention to detail, have everything. And, and a lot of this happens in the preseason and in the offseason where you get guys ready and ready to get ready. That's what we used to say. You're getting ready to get ready. And and I know that sounds weird, but you know, I used to say that after Fourth of July, that I mean, I'm I'm in football mode. Between that and Thanksgiving, I'm in football mode. I'm already, you know, getting my mind right to, um, you know, for all this. And and I think right now what I'm seeing is I'm seeing a team that. And Jeb's right about whack-a-mole, but it's 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 more than that. I'm seeing a team that there there's just not a lot enough tension to detail of the little things, and it's caught up with us. Yeah. And and we've been having that problem. And and guys, it's 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 been a problem last year, and it's a problem this year. It's a lack of attention to the little things. And and, and I'm sorry, but that's what's going on. You know, it, it, that, that relates back, Larry, to what, you know, I always talk about when people want to blame an official for a loss. Now, there's probably about 25 other plays in the game that actually lost you the game. All right, so what? So the guy's too close to Eddie Lewis. On Tulane's first drive, they had three third downs of nine yards or longer on their first two drives. And they got them all. And, and they stayed on the field. And, and on the last field goal drive, they had a third and 14 that they, they had a second and 19 that they got to third and 13 and converted. But again, you know, then it's special teams that pops up or it's, um, you know, poor man. Again, that last drive just rubbed me the wrong way from the first two snaps where it took us, we got the ball with a minute and 50 seconds or a minute and 40 we ran one play and it took us 23 seconds to run the next play. And then we run three plays and then we, the uh, Jeb said, the substitution broke me. Like what could, what, what difference when you are throwing the ball and, and yes, I know picking up blitzes and all that, but Tulane's not blitzing. What difference nope. could a, the, the particular running black running back, what difference could he possibly make other than, Maybe he, you know, I forget which one it was. I think, I think Sutton was in the, no, Sutton was out and Brandon was in. I forget. It was one of those two guys that, that. Right. I mean, you're not, you're not substituting over blocking. You're not substituting. It's not like this is, this is a really simple thing. He's on the field. He stays on the field until you either score or you come off the field. And that's really it in a nutshell. And, and guys, I'll, I'll just leave it with this. It's not – it's just like the game. It's not one thing that has me concerned. 
It's that it's a whole bunch of little things all over the team oh, that have I, to be concerned. I, I want to say something, Brian, before, before you jump in here, because I've seen this a lot over the last couple of days. And I will take you into a back alley with a baseball bat if you try to tell me that we are back to the Larry Porter years. Oh, no, 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 no. Because, no, no. because and, it, and it's all, and it's just like the Memphis Much basketball fans that. that think that, you know, Memphis basketball uh, kicked off their inaugural season around 2006, 2007. These are the same people that think Memphis didn't start playing football in two, until 2013. You have no idea. No how bad we were when Justin got here famously we had seven offensive linemen seven you typically carry 17 to 20 we had seven so if you're coming at me with that noise that tells me two things number one you have you don't know what the hell you're talking you no about idea. and number two you're just being a miserable troll like it and I, I I said it to somebody's face this week like stop you have no you're just trying what what is it, uh, Jeff Weinberg? You say y'all are just arguing to be arguing, like right? That's just dumb. Is, it's we're, dumb. we're we're not even back to the Rip Shearer days. This is way better than that. It's way better than um, Larry Porter. I, it's better than Chuck Stobart. Like and, and Brian, yeah, I, it's in, but it's in the vein of Stobart. I mean, I, I yeah, well, you were six and five for three straight years. Yeah, I mean, you're in that vein. But Brian, but, I think that's and, what, and, and look. The, it, I, all I'm saying is what we're not seeing, we're not seeing player development like we were seeing, and we're not seeing team development. And we're seeing a lot of problems in a lot of different areas, which means that it's lack of attention to detail by the coaching staff. Um, no, it's not like Dempsey, Jeb. It's not like <laughs> Well, it could have been on Saturday. Uh, for those who don't know, Ray Dempsey got hired over Mac Brown. Uh, back when I was a young pup and started out five, one and one. And then there was just, it was a mess and ended up going five, five and one, I think. And just, I think he went three and eight the next year, whatever it was. But anyway, all right, Brian, so we'll start with you here before we wrap up. Give me your most valuable player so far this year. Let's see. Uh, to me, I'm going to go on the defensive side. The most valuable player to me, and I was, and I thought about this. It was between um, Zay Collins or Quindell Johnson. I can go Quindell because he has the uh, three interceptions. But to me, it, I'll say uh, Zay Collins. I mean, he leads the, uh, the team in tackles. It just to me, he's that leader on the defense. Uh, I know uh, Johnson's the the leader, you know, and the secondary, but man it's so hard between those two but yeah just because he has more tackles and I think he alters the game a little bit more I'm going to say Collins I'm going to go on offense and I'm going to say you know after Sean Dykes left last year there was a whole lot of questions about who was going to take that role and who was going to be the guy that uh, Seth was going to look at. Caden Prinkshorn has played his tail off this year, and um, and he has done an outstanding job in the run game. I know we haven't run the ball very well, but he's blocked fairly well. He's caught the ball, and he's just been all over the field offense, so give me Caden Prinkshorn. So I kind of gave mine away earlier. 
I'm going to go Chris Howard. And here's why and I'm, I'm pulling up stats kind of as we, as we talk here, but you go back to last year and all of our struggles in the kicking game, all of our struggles, um, you know, from the beginning where you're asking your punter to kick, um, let's see, special teams. So this year, Chris Howard is, ha- has kicked pretty well. I'm not going to say it. Uh, he's missed one extra point. And you go back to last year and on field goals last year. Sorry, yeah, this is real time. I'm, my internet's being cranky. Um, you go back and you look, and we had to go for it on fourth down a lot last year because we couldn't we couldn't kick the ball last year. Um, we're successfully. We were 12 of 19 on field goals last year. So Chris Howard has given us the opportunity to be better than we have been. Um, Brian, but you're, man, I struggled a little bit with it because when Quindell didn't play, boy, did we miss him. Yep. And, you know, he's had three interceptions. He's, he's lived up to all the preseason billing um, on a defense that has struggled at times by not being aggressive. Um, he's made his best plays when we've been aggressive, but I had to go with Chris Howard. All right, Larry, we'll start with you this time. What is the what is your biggest disappointment this season? Lack of development by um, the offense. The offense has played well at times, but we're still not running the ball very well, and we still lack attention to detail. Um, Seth has played his tail off to a degree. But he's your leading rusher. That's a that's a huge disappointment and just a lack of overall development by the offense, particularly the running game. Your your quarterback being your leading rusher if you're not at Navy is the offensive equivalent of a cornerback being your leading tackler on defense. It's never a good sign. Brian, what's your biggest disappointment this season? Uh to me, it's just the the little things. Uh to me, last year there wasn't uh, I know to me, last year, the little things didn't kill you because I thought there was more big things last year uh, than this year. This year, I mean, we can pinpoint the little things that the, you know, the Seth Hennigan missing, you know, wide open receivers, missed tackles repeatedly, the drop uh, catches repeatedly. It's these little things. So to me, the it's, it's the, uh, it's just the, the little things that have snowballed to now, it, it's a giant thing. It's no longer, you know, these little things. It, it's a big, huge snowball right now. I'm going to stay on special teams. I, I am so disappointed in our special teams outside of field goals and punts. I, I just and, – and probably part of this is we were so spoiled. You know, we've had great special teams with dynamic players. Um, you know, I asked Coach Silverfield about it. Gabe's banged up. Gabe's a little – hurt that's why he hasn't played he didn't play as much in East Carolina and didn't play as much um this week he's he's banged up quite a bit um but boy just just the basic crap like just again punt punt block not getting outside the numbers uh running into the kicker uh just just those types of things uh kickoffs not looking for the ball on an onside kick you know, again, just one guy not doing what he's supposed to do. And the problem is special teams has gotten progressively worse every week. Like, it's not like they were lights out because we're 
our return yards on kickoffs are about the same, you know, but now the return yards, unless you've got a really dynamic explosive returner, which we don't have right now, um, because everybody is kicking the ball into the back of the end zone. Like I think touchbacks are like 75% of kickoffs now. So you're not getting it out of the return game. We get almost nothing out of punt returns. That hurts us a little bit. I'm not sure the right guys returning punts. And that's, that's not just because he fumbled on Saturday. Um, it goes back to, uh, I think it was Rip, when Cole Hoppy played here, that was a running joke. Like, we called him uh, fair catch because that's that's all. He, but that was all he was asked to do was just field the ball, just, just catch the ball. That's all. Catch, Wave your hand and catch the ball. That's all you got to do. Um, but we don't get anything out of punt. We don't get we, – we don't – we have – I'm trying to remember. When's the last time we blocked a kick? I don't just right off the top of my head remember. And, you know, we weren't beamer ball by any stretch of the imagination, but we could get plays. And and I really thought Saturday, and this was probably one of the most disappointing, I thought that they were probably better defensively than we were on offense. Our defense was probably a little better than theirs. But our athleticism should have dominated them in special teams. Like, just should have, that's where we have an advantage of for most teams by, by recruiting fast, strong players is our athleticism. And it just, to me, it was just a microcosm of the season. Just we, we are, it's okay to get nothing out of teams, but it's not okay when teams are costing you the game. Special teams has cost us, I can think of five games in the last two years. Um, all right, so one final thing before we go here. Of course, Memphis is off this week. Um, we'll have Bandmasters at the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium on Saturday. Looking forward to that. Um, how do we finish? Ryan, we'll start with you. How do we finish? Two and two. So end of the season, six and six. I, I want to say seven and five, but I think – I just think one game – It'll be a, a, whether it be UCF or you. One of those games will once again we'll be talking about <laughs> the little things where Memphis could have won but didn't. I think that's how it ends up. But six and six uh, going to a bowl game. I agree, two and two. And 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 I we were texting kind of back and forth on Saturday. Uh, boy, that Tulsa is not going to be a gimme. It's not. Um, you know, I, I don't see us beating UCF. I don't, I don't see us beating SMU. I don't, um, I'm sorry. I just, the way this team's playing right now, there's just, that's just not going to happen. I think you're looking at six and six, um, and the same conversations that we were having last year will be this coming off season. Uh, my yeah, Twitter. They, they can finish better. I'm not saying Memphis can't win against UCF or SMU. I think they can win. I just don't think they, they will win because just the way, like you said, the way this year has gone, something will pop up and bite Memphis in the fight. But I certainly, I should, yeah, I can see them winning. I'm just not going to predict them to win. My Twitter is at John underscore rivals. You can bring the hate. I don't really care anymore. One and three. I don't think, I think the only team we beat is North Alabama. Um, and I don't, I don't think disagree this, with that, John, for the record. I don't, I, I don't, I, this, this isn't a heart discussion. I think the Memphis football program is broken this year. 
I think their spirit is just shattered. Um, I was impressed with the second half at Tulane, but I, I think the East Carolina loss probably hurt a lot more than the, I mean, the Houston one sucked, but I think that East Carolina game broke the Tigers and not, and it's really hard because they have other than the ball streak, they have nothing left. Like, and you've got a bunch of young kids, you know, coach Silverfield talks about that all the time. Like 68% of our kids are sophomores and redshirt, whatever they are. We only have a couple seniors. Um, and boy, that, that East Carolina loss was after you got kicked in the nuts against Houston, you got punched in the throat by East Carolina and you're just, and then you go out and you fall behind 35, nothing. And again, to your credit, you know, you fought back. And, and Brian, your article was also dead on something last last year. We were all down in the dumps and miserable. We were four and four, and I think we were one and three in the conference. I think we'd only played the four games. And they come out and they beat SMU the next week. Um, SMU last year, to me, is better than UCF this year. UCF is not great. Um, That's why I say Memphis can win. I'm just – that's where I'm pulling back. I think I'm you guys are, are rubbing off on me. <laughs> I'm telling you that the team that I saw play Tulane will not beat UCF. Yeah, I just I, – I and I don't think it's an effort. Let me let me back up and because I don't want anybody to get this misconstrued. Let me be abundantly clear, as I like to say. It's not an effort thing. It's a mental block. When, when you get hit in the nuts and then get punched in the throat – I'll tell. I'll give you another basketball example. Of this David Vaughn. David Vaughn was a fantastic player. He blew out his knee against Arkansas. He was never the same after that because he was always a little skittish about putting weight on it. Or, and, and I just think this team is just their their psyche is is hurt and they're and maybe, waiting for something bad to happen. And, and I think maybe the bye week Brian helps that a little bit because you do have a chance to kind of catch your breath. But, you know, you're also... And, and I guess in a writer's uh, example, to me, it would be like a, a great writer has a writer's block. This 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 bye week could be a perfect time to get away, just like a writer. Sometimes you quit thinking about it. Go off and do something else, clear your mind, then come back, and you can finish your novel, finish your book, whatever you're doing. You know, and the problem you've got coming up next week is you're 1-16 against UCF all-time. Why don't you just bring that up right now? Let's just, you know. Hey, let's get it out. It's it's either one in fifteen or one in sixteen. So that's that a one team. win. Who? What, what coach did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving what? on. Okay. That was in the COVID. Just, just that, they, that was the just game I tried to leave like four times. <laughs> yeah, it was a great. It was a great game. But great um, game. good, excellent point. Touche, touche. But you know, the, the, it's it's like when Memphis used to play a UAB all the time. They just had our number. Like it, it was inexplicable sometimes, but they just had our number. But I, I just, I, you know, obviously I don't see us losing to North Alabama, but no. um, I worry about that, that, that Tulsa game is not going to be a gimme. And, and, and I, I, we were texting that Saturday and I remember thinking, are we sure? And Brian's like 95, whatever percent. I'm 90, like, I think I said 97.5%. Whatever. The point was, I said, are you I'm pretty sure they'll win there? And, and I am not. Well, but see, for a lot of reasons. Here would be the most Memphis thing to do. Beat UCF on next Saturday 
and, lose and then to lose to Tulsa by lose to Tulsa. <laughs> like that, that would be the most Memphis thing of the last four, three or four years to do is beat a team you have no business. You beat, you beat UCF, and you're like, oh, we could actually go four and oh, right? And then you get no, never mind. Yeah, I, I mean, but look, I, I just, I, I, I don't, hope we do though. I hope we yeah, do. And I, I want to be wrong. Have... I want us to be three and one, four and oh. I mean, you know, I want us to want Memphis to win out and because it makes for a much better offseason. Oh, these shows are a lot more fun. Yeah, when Memphis is winning, it's a lot more fun to do this than when you're slogging through uh, another six and six season. So, all right, well, we've gone on long enough. Uh, Brian, what have you got going this week on the buy over there? Oh, I will check out the 2000 and 2001 recruiting class, and I'll do a write-up on them and their you know, I guess, you know, their productivity so far on the uh, Tigers team, because I, th- I think that'll be good for a good read. I posted today uh, all the different bowl projections, and boy, are they all over the place now. Um, everything from Larry's favorite uh, city in America, Shreveport, Bossier City, Shreveport. Uh, there's some Fenway. Come on, Fenway. There's a yes. lot of Fenway in there. There's a couple Bocas. There's a Gasparilla. There's several Birmingham's. Uh, there's even a military in there and a first responder. So they're all over the place. But as you read oh. these things, these guys don't know where people are going. Like, no, it's just, it's yeah, just, it's just a guess at this stuff. point. Another article I will have up uh, more than likely this weekend, because I'm waiting for a couple of kids to respond back to me, is I've, I've already spoken to a bunch of the commits. What are the commits thinking about this season? And are they still committed to Memphis? So look for that this weekend. Hell, they're probably thinking I can play right now. <laughs> <laughs> so for the best, we'll end on that note. For the best co host in all the land, Larry Marley and Brian and Moss, this is John Maddox signing off. Thanks for tuning in. We will see everybody next week.